Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 366 of Linux in the Hampshire, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. And it is time for The Weekender. This is the episode where we talk about upcoming contests in the amateur radio space, upcoming special events, open source events, open source topics, lots of interesting things that you can do over the next fortnight to keep yourself entertained with both computers and technology, specifically the amateur radio kind. And we'll talk about all of that, and then we'll dive headlong into hedonism, where we talk about food and booze and all the things that make life worth living. So we should probably just get right into it. I am Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. So we might as well get the amateur radio stuff out of the way, as we do in the first segment every week. And Bill, as he usually does, will tell us all about the upcoming contests that you can work. And I see I missed an important one here, so I'm going to ad hoc one in on top of these because we know we get all these contests from contestcalendar.com because I'm too lazy to get them from anywhere else. But uh, here we go. I'll give you the two that I listed, and then I'll add the extra one. So we got the ARRL EME contest is this weekend. It uh, starts at Zero Zulu on September 12th, and it runs to 2359 Zulu September 15th. Bands, this is the higher mode one. This is 2.3 gigahertz and up. Uh, the modes are CW, single sideband, and digital. And if you don't have the higher bands, you're just going to have to wait until October to participate in the one that is uh, 50 megahertz to 1.2 gigahertz. So uh, check out that contest if you're geared up for that. The other one we got here is a Worked All Europe DX contest, and this one runs from Zero Zulu on September 12th to 2359 Zulu on September the 13th. The bands there are 80 through 10. Minus the ones you're not supposed to be on. Mode is single sideband. It's an easy exchange, a signal report, and serial number. So check out that contest. And then the one I forgot to mention, of course, is the big one. This is the ARRL September VHF contest. This is the one that Tony's getting ready for out there on uh, on the old island, San Clemente. So uh, keep an eye out for him on the radio. He's building his antennas now. I'm sure they'll all be tuned up and ready to roll. <laughs> This weekend, the contest starts at 1800 Zulu on September 12th, and it runs to 0300 Zulu on September 14th. The bands are 50 megahertz and up. Um, Yeah, so, uh, yeah, looks like uh, the higher the bands you go, the more points you get per QSO. So check that one out. That's always a good one for the rovers. So people will be out there grid chasing and everything else. So uh, have fun with that contest. Uh, we also have a couple of state QSO party challenges going on this weekend. We have Texas and Alabama. So uh, if you're into collecting states or counties, uh, that's a great opportunity to get those uh, in Texas and Alabama this weekend. Next weekend, we have uh, the Collegiate QSO party, and that runs from uh, Zero Zulu September 19th to 2359 Zulu September 20th. 
bands are listed as all bands, <laughs> except for uh, the non-contesty ones, of course, 12, 17, 30, and 60. Uh, modes there are single side band or CW and digital. Uh, so there's two different ways you can operate there. Uh, this event is open to all radio amateurs. Points can be earned by individuals, clubs, and collegiate stations. The Collegiate CUSO Party encourages alumni to connect with their alma mater, alma mater and uh, students to network with other schools. New hams are welcome and stations are encouraged to be accommodating to new radio amateurs. So play nice, kids. Um, there you go. Uh, the state CUSO party challenges for next weekend. We got a bunch of them. We have Iowa, New Hampshire, New Jersey, and Washington State Salmon Run are all four counted in the state CUSO party challenge. So uh, check out those if you are keeping score. And that's all we got for contests. All right. Cheryl was trying to flag me down and tell me that you got a date wrong. What was the date wrong? On the ARRL. EME. Yeah, he said that it ended on the 15th. It ends on the 13th. Oh, the 13th. Oh, did I say 15th? Sorry. You did. Oh, that's okay. People can check it out in the show notes. The, <sighs> the right information will be in there. And nobody has a 2.3 gig and up radio. Come on, you know. <laughs> so, Tony has 220. He's the only one I know. Uh, well, that's below that. So well, that's, I understand uh, that. But. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Yeah, September 13th. So. Oh, and uh, yeah. Ted's cat says 09876CXZ minus plus. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Go, kitty. <laughs> that's like that's like a Fortran or something. Isn't it? <laughs> a little assembly uh, there. <laughs> or something. Yeah, maybe. Some cat controls going across there. <laughs> maybe it's Logo. I don't know. Anybody remember Logo? <laughs> no. It's a, it's a thing that a lot of games were programmed in. It's a graphical programming language. I don't know. Look it up. It's I'm sure, anyway. So, hey. Like Commander Keen hey. or something like that? No, 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 no. Not, not. <sighs> that was probably written in basic. <laughs> <laughs> I love that game, though. I, I still play it now and again since it's a web app. So, yeah, it's an awesome game. All right, so for amateur radio special events, you want to read a couple of these? Well, huh? huh? I'm looking up logo right now. All right, fine, I'll do it. Anyway, for special events in amateur radio, we have uh, four of them listed here. We normally do three, but I thought four was better. So here we go. Uh, the first one is Radio Fun Week. This is September 11th through the 19th, all day, every day. The call sign on this is Whiskey Zero Foxtrot. It's going to be on all bands. I'm not sure about the non-contesty ones. This isn't a contest. It's a special event, so they could essentially be on 60 meters, but probably won't. Um, the the, band, or the modes on this are Sideman, CW, PSK, and FT8. Uh, 2020 has not been a fun year, they say, so let's have some fun. Get on the radio and make it fun. We will be on all modes, all bands, single sideband, CW, PSK, and FT8. Fusion Wires X Room, Southeast Kansas, because uh, they're right over the border here from us in Pittsburgh, Kansas. Uh, radio Fun Week is a new laid-back amateur radio special event, the goal of which is to celebrate amateur radio and all of its amazing awesomeness. So there we go. <laughs> I'm sorry, did that come out? I put some weird emphasis on that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the next one is a big, 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 big one, and I'll probably be participating in this. Uh, from September 12th through the 20th, all day, every day, we have Route 66 on the air, R66 OTA. Uh, the call signs are Whiskey 6 Alpha through Whiskey 6 Uniform. The local station here is Whiskey 6 Romeo, so make sure you try and contact that one, if none of the others. 
Uh, the frequencies are too many to list, but look for CW contacts on frequencies ending in 33 and single sideband contacts ending uh, in 66. Uh, opened in 1926, U.S. Route 66 was the first major improved highway to link the West Coast with the nation's heartland. It once arrived as the backdrop. It once served, not arrived, as the backdrop for a popular TV show and has been the subject of songs and stories. There will be 21 stations, two of them rovers, operating in or around the major cities along Route 66 from Santa Monica, California to Chicago, Illinois. Uh, we already talked about the call signs. Some participating clubs will also use their local VHF and UHF repeaters, uh, which I'm sure ours will. <clears throat> uh, radio amateurs who participate while driving on Route 66 may take part in the event by using the designators Mobile 66 or Stroke 66 after their call signs. Each participant. <laughs> each participating club will issue its own commemorative qsl card to celebrate this event certificates and other items are available what you should you should like take off and take a tour up route 66 and operate i don't really have a mobile hf so well, didn't you just buy a i have a 7100 there you go yeah i mean the radio is fine i don't have an antenna to go with it i eh, just drag a wire behind you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, sure. <laughs> You'll be fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, I'll run a 120 foot long inverted L off the back of my truck. Just attach the end to like a kite or something like that. Yeah, there you go. Stays up behind you. Yeah, this is K5TUX, Ben Franklin Mobile. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, you can borrow one of my hamsticks. I got like 20 of them here. <laughs> well, good, you can throw it in the box. I sent you your radio back. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll see if it'll fit. I'll just cut it to pieces and send it to you. <laughs> yeah, you can just tape it back together I, I when have, it gets there. I have friends who can weld. It's okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, another station we got coming up is the saving of the liberty bell commemoration this is from september 16th through 25th 0400 zulu to 2359 zulu daily call sign is whiskey 3 lima frequency is 7030 7074 and 14030 modes will be cw single sideband and ft8 w3l will commemorate the saving of the liberty bell from british capture that occurred from september 16th through the 25th in 1777 w3l will transmit from Toamenson Township, where in September 1777, the Liberty Bell had been whisked into hiding from Philadelphia to Allentown along Toamenson's Allentown Road. The bell was returned to Philadelphia along the same route via a 700-wagon caravan in June 1778. The Liberty Bell provides quite an attraction, provided quite an attraction to the handful of farmers living in Toamenson at the time. And I'm willing to bet their QSL card has the Liberty Bell on it. It probably does. <laughs> We've seen the Liberty Bell. It's kind of cool. Yeah, so. it is kind of cool. Uh, and finally, we have the Amateur Radio Software Award uh, commemoration, celebration, um, mention. Something. Anyway, there's <laughs> there's a special event about it. Um, this is going to operate from September 25th through October 5th, 2200 Zulu to 0500 Zulu daily. Call sign is Kilo 1 Alpha, frequencies 7.19 and 14.26, single sideband. The special event station promotes innovative free and open amateur radio software. The 2020 Amateur Radio Software Award recipient, Anthony Good, and his K3NG Arduino CW Keyer software project will be honored during the event. Nominations for the 20... So why aren't they operating CW? (laughs) 
Don't go there. <laughs> Nominations for the 2021 awards will also be encouraged. The Amateur Radio Software Award is an annual international award for the recognition of software projects and enhanced amateur radio. The award aims to promote amateur radio software development, which adhere to the same spirit as amateur radio itself. Innovative, free, and open. QSL card will be available, and a link will be in the show notes. So there you go. And uh, that's all I have for special event stations. There are a few more that haven't been canceled. So you can check out the ARRL if you want to find out other things that are going on. But those are some big ones. A uh, quick announcement that I had mentioned on uh, a couple episodes ago that I was getting ready to ship the things that have been sort of backlogged here uh, that are uh, purchases from the Linux and the Hamshack store. Those have all been shipped. So people should be receiving those soon if they have not received them already. So thank you for those. We appreciate the support. And uh, let's see. I can't use this ham radio challenge. So. <laughs> Here, I'll talk about logo for a second while you're figuring okay. out what the challenge is going to be. Uh, <laughs> I think we broke Bill, but that's okay. <laughs> he just passed out on the floor. Yeah. Maybe we'll just skip the challenges. Or maybe like uh, just participate in uh, Route 66 on the air. Talk to me at W6R. Yeah. There you go. Work a special event station. Work a special there event station. Go. I think we've used that one about four times now. So, yeah. Mm, whatever. <laughs> well, nobody ever tells us they do them, so that, we don't have any true. confirmation that they, they are actually participating in this. So it's kind of a challenge for you all to tell us that you're participating yeah. in the challenge. <laughs> That's right. Participate in a challenge, and the challenge is... Tell us, tell us that, that you did, did it. it. <laughs> 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 all right, cool. So anyway, tell us about Logo. Um, It, it was... Uh, written in 1967. Um, it is not an acronym. That is late. The name was coined, um, and derives from Greek logos, meaning word or thought. Um, I gather from reading this, uh, the wiki on it's fairly lengthy. Um, Apple used it. Atari used it. Commodore used it. Lego used it. Um, and then, uh, Lego logo was a precursor to scratch. All right. (laughs) That makes sense. So that's, uh, there's, there's one of your, uh, ancient programming languages for today, uh, having been produced in 1960s. Yeah. So it's based on limps, lisp. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It says Lego logo is a version of logo, which can manipulate robotic Lego blocks attached to computer. Which I think that's uh, kind of cool. Uh, it was implemented on the Apple II computing platform. It was used in American and other grade schools in the late '80s and early '90s. Yep, it's it's touted as an educational progr- uh, programming language, and it was used for doing drawing and such. It's definitely graphically based. So, and I I've only seen a couple of applications ever written and run in Logo, and that was a long, long time ago. So. Um, not even sure why it's still part of my brain, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just remember playing Carmen San Diego on the Apple II. That's all I. <laughs> I remember playing Load Runner on the Apple II. Uh, another applica- another uh, game that that still exists, I think, is a web app. So anyway, let's move on to a distro to try. 
Somebody else want to read this? Sure. <laughs> okay. Who nicks? Who nicks? Uh, oh, yeah. Who nicks? Who nicks is a free and open source desktop operating system that is specifically designed for advanced security and privacy based on Tor, Debian, GNU, Linux, and the principle above security by isolation. Who nicks realistically addresses common attack vectors while maintaining usability. Online anonymity and censorship circumvention is attainable via fail-safe, automatic, and desktop-wide use of the Tor network, meaning all connections are forced through Tor or blocked, meaning even detailed traffic analysis cannot easily determine the sites visited, and those sites cannot discover the user's physical location. Hunix uses an extensive reconfigured Debian base, which is uh, run inside multiple virtual machines on top of the host OS. Oh, this sounds like a flagship OS. Um, <laughs> the architecture provides... What the, a, what the hell is flagship OS? I have no idea. Just that should be called that. The architecture provides a substantial layer of protection from malware and IP leaks. Applications are pre-installed and configured with safe defaults to make them ready for use with minimal user input. Uh, the user may install custom applications or personalize their desktop without fear, the fear of uh, information leaks that could lead to de-anonymization. Uh, Hunix is the only actively developed OS designed to be run inside a VM and paired with Tor. Uh, though technically a desktop operating system, the security and anonymity tools also make it ideally suited for hosting secure and anonymous Onion services. Like the onion? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, so check out Hunix. I can definitely say I haven't actually heard of this one. Well, I, I do try and find stuff we haven't talked about before, and I don't recall this one either. And I can I can see certain instances where I would might want to run this, but not as a full-time desktop system. I, I don't think this kind of security level is necessary for your Shack PC, but mm. uh, <laughs> might be something worth trying. Who knows? Yeah, it's like that. It's like Cubes OS does something similar too, isn't it? Yeah, and they also have there's a version of this called Cubes Hunix. Oh, okay, yeah, and that's kind of like same thing. You can have like different system domains inside your system, so you can, yeah, <laughs> right, yeah. It's really it's kind of abstract but neat at the same time. But yeah, I would never use it that way. I don't really care. <laughs> I just log into Google and give them all my stuff. <laughs> yep. All right, so moving on from that, we have one event in the open source world. A lot of these are being canceled. There are still a few virtual ones out there. Red Hat's got lots of different online resources and things. Um, And this is kind of a slow time for Linux conferences and open source conferences in general. So we just had the one for this week, and maybe we can bring Sherilyn here to read this one? Sure. Okay. So our event is the Open Networking and Edge Summit North America. It's September 28th through the 30th of 2020, of course, and it is online, of course. Uh, it is the Open Networking and Edge Summit, formerly Open Networking Summit. It's the industry's premier open networking event, now expanded to comprehensively cover edge computing, edge cloud, and IoT. What is IoT? Internet, Internet of things. things. Gotcha. Basically, like like our Wink system right now that's not working, that's an IoT device. Basically, if it's if it's not a computer, if it does some function in your home, like a set-top box or a, a little thing that hides behind something and performs some function or whatever, that is an a, a group of the IoT. Yes. So, in other words, IoTs suck? 
<laughs> well, some do. Wink does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we pulled in the driveway tonight, and I was like, oh, look, the outside lights aren't on. Russ like, yeah, they're not coming on either. <laughs> So anyway, uh, back to back to what I was saying. Uh, open networking and edge summit ones enables collaborative de- development and innovation across enterprises, service providers, telcos, and cloud providers to shape the future of networking and edge computing. And the information for this came from Linux Foundation. And I think uh, along with most of the virtual conferences these days, there's at least Yachty. okay some free access if not completely free. So, and remember, you can also like uh, try to register for ones that have already occurred and then get, just get the back. catalog. Yes. Yep. There was one I was going to mention in here for that too. It was uh, what it was a summit for women um, and uh, diversity and open source that happened um, two months ago, I think now, but they're still taking uh, applications. So you can get in there and get all the content if you want. I forget what it's called. So that's kind of pointless for me to mention it, but I did anyway. And it's $50 for registration on this one. Oh, there's no freebies? Mm, doesn't look like it. I'm okay. looking I'm looking at the registration page. Well, if, it, so. if this is a conference that's of interest to you, $50 is pretty minimal compared to uh, face-to-face conferences, because I remember paying upwards of $3,500 and four grand for, the same for some of these conferences. Yeah. So. yeah. Anyway, $50, bucks, uh, not not too hard to hit to the wallet. And for an open source challenge, you know what? I just slacked off and didn't have one. So, <laughs> um, what was our what was our challenge for amateur radio? Oh, to, to work a special event and yeah. let us know you did it. Or the challenge? Yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Okay. So the challenge uh, for open source is to do something with open source and let us know you did it. There you yeah. go. <laughs> do we do we want pictures? Do they just, well, just no, say just, they did just, it? They can just say they did it. Even okay. if you didn't do it, just tell us you did something. <laughs> All right. All right. We expect some emails or some phone calls or, or something. something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We just want some feedback. And we're starving for feedback. Yeah. And speaking of starving, oh, was that a segue? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's move on to Bottom heat visib- <laughs> if, if well, You almost got this stuff figured out. It's <laughs> <laughs> only taken you like 10 years. <laughs> So anyway, um, by the way, if you're into funny things, uh, watch Seth Meyers. He, he's like the best thing that ever happened to late night. So, okay. Uh, there, there's a, that's actually not as much of a non sequitur as it sounds like. He's just, he's really into segues. Anyway, yeah. really into segues. <laughs> so uh, you like ride them to work? No, the, the SEGUE kind of segue, <laughs> not the, uh, but up, up. Not the thing that was the talk of the universe back in 2002 or whatever it was when the Segway came out. Um, remember that? Remember that whole thing where there was uh, who, who developed the Segway? I can't remember the name of the guy. Uh, but yeah, there, I don't remember. There was like two years or something of of news stories on every news platform there was that just said this guy is developing this thing that's going to change the world the and future of transportation yeah <laughs> no one no one knew what it was and then when it came out it's like it's a two-wheeled people mover okay yeah, <laughs> yeah and you can see how popular they are anyway yeah, i think so- they made a movie about that too right it's called wally Anyway, since we just totally blew my segue out of the water, uh, I finally get to watch Wally a couple of months ago. It's a cute movie. It's cute. So. Yeah. 
It's cute. We like watching it. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, well, it is fun. Anyway, we have some food to talk about, and Cheryl's going to tell you about her recipe for this week. I am? Well, I hope so. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't study for this. So, <laughs> what? You just looked at me like I was an idiot. Thanks. I'm just taking a drink. You do whatever you sure, do. Sure, whatever. <laughs> so, for the recipe this week, um, fall is here. It, or just it's it's not really here temperature wise although it may be here tomorrow because it's supposed to be 60 but fall to me is soup time fall and winter definitely soups um i'm a huge fan and a friend of mine shared this recipe with me so therefore i have to share it with you so without further ado we're going to have buffalo chicken soup which requires cream cheese buffalo wing sauce and we prefer sweet baby rays um you know yeah oh yeah yeah it's good stuff so you know everybody has their own preferences some people just use plain old tabasco did you know that the like the old chicago pepperoni pizza the the whatever they call it the yeah like the the double pepperoni pepperoni or whatever whatever, yeah has uh sweet baby rays as part of the sauce Sauce. yeah oh that's interesting yeah it's really good so anyway moving on anyway so uh shredded cooked chicken onion celery chicken broth salt pepper Colby Jack cheese and additional celery, pepper, sauce, whatever, blue cheese, whatever you whatever you want to add to it. Um, microwave your cream cheese until it's soft. Add your sauce, mix that up, um, and then throw everything in a crock pot slow cooker. Um, and in four or five hours, you've got soup. And I think you might like this. I know you're not. I, a big I don't soup know fan. why I wouldn't like it. I mean, four or five hours. Oh my gosh. I'm low. I'm yeah, low. Well, yeah. You can use the cooker. hot pot. You can use the hot pot. Instapot. Yeah, you yeah, can you use can an Instapot. Instapot. Yeah. Or you could do it on your stove top. You know. So it's soup. You can make it any way you want. Yeah. Exactly. We just had some Instapot chicken shredded chicken tonight. So. Ooh. <laughs> we, we just had artisan pizza. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, bring up the um, get the. Oh wait, I have to do it on mine because you don't have it, do you? What the the menu? No, I don't have it. Okay, here I I gotta since we're talking about food. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna tell you about the pizza. I'm, I'm gonna we tell had you tonight. what what kind of pizza we had tonight, just to give you an idea of how interesting pizza can actually be. Let's see, let's see how long I can drag this out. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me let me no, preface this. Right no, oh, let me good. let me preface it. The the thing that we went to tonight is a farm that has Thursday night pizza nights during the summer, uh, spring through fall, um, and they use Hornos wood ovens, which will cook a pizza in three to like three four minutes, minutes. yeah, something degrees, yeah. So they, they keep a steady stream of pizzas going. So, and Russ has, and they always have these really unique flavors, which tonight. And all of the ingredients and all the dough and everything comes from their, their own farm or the neighboring farm. farm. So, and they also buy all any meats they get from from the uh, neighboring, sustainable local farms. It's the neighboring farm, Terrell Creek's next door. So, yeah. So the pizzas they had tonight, um, one, the first one's called the sweetest date. It's a homemade date lady pizza sauce. In other words, it has dates in the sauce. Dates, yeah. Uh, Millsap Parm Italian sausage, bell peppers, scallions, and mozzarella. Then they had the BAGT, which is homemade garlic, aioli, bacon, arugula, mozzarella, and green tomato. And then the green machine, which is homemade basil, almond, pesto, mozzarella, tomatoes, summer squash, parmesan, asiago, and romano cheese. Yeah. So good stuff. They were all excellent. Cool. 
<laughs> and every week, I mean, every week every when time, they do it, yeah. they have four pizzas. One's always cheese, just like uh, cheese. Yes, and, yeah, the farmhouse cheese pizza. So. For the kids who only eat cheese. Or for the vegetarians or whatever. So. Yeah, well, um, a lot of their pizzas can be vegetarian. They don't, you know, sometimes they're vegetarian, sometimes they're not. Well, they'll um, leave meat off because they did that the last time I was there. The girl needed a vegetarian pizza right. and they left the meat off of it. So. I was but looking at a board with three vegetarian pizzas on it, so there you go. <laughs> sweet blue potato, a ratatouille pie, and uh, classic cheese, and then they Ooh. have taco pie as well. <clears throat> it's just a picture on their website, just checking it out. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, Millsap Farm, it's a lot of fun. If, you, if anyone ever comes out here and visits us, we will... <clears throat> yeah, you know, they were actually the in the New York uh, Times last there. week. So moving on, we have my drink corner for tonight, and uh, this this kind of came up in conversation. <laughs> and Bill, I don't know how we started talking about it, but you're like, you should you should uh, review all the like low, the bottom shelf stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, I'm going to do that. I keep a variety of bottom shelf whiskey on hand, so we'll just uh, pick this one and talk about it. This is Old Crow Kentucky Straight Bourbon. And it says on the front of it, Dr. James Crows. I'm not sure he actually was a doctor. He's a Scottish immigrant. <laughs> he might have been a doctor. I don't know. Uh, but this started being produced in the 1830s. It's a low-priced brand of Kentucky-made straight bourbon distilled by Beam Suntory, which also produces Jim Beam and several other brands of whiskey. The current Old Crow product uses the same mash bill and yeast as Jim Beam, but is aged for a shorter period of time. The Old Crow brand has a venerable history as one of Kentucky's earliest bourbons. It is aged in barrels for a minimum of three years. It was first distilled by James Crow, a Scottish immigrant, in the 1830s, which I already said. This is definitely bottom shelf stuff, usually used as a mixer, uh, but I'm going to drink it straight and give you my impressions of it. Uh, the mash bill, like they say, is exactly the same as the mash bill of Jim Beam. It's just that Old Crow is aged for three years and Jim Beam is usually aged for four. So... It's 75% corn, 13% rye, 12% barley. The proof on it is a stock, 80 proof, 40%. It comes out of Claremont, Kentucky, which is where Beam Suntory is. The color on it is a light gold because it's not aged very much. It might have a tiny little bit of reddish hue, but it's, it's mostly just a light honey gold. The nose on it, when I smelled it, I got more than I thought I would. I got light oak, vanilla, what I can only define as black raspberry, a little bit of saltiness, and I'm not sure if that's attributed to something else, but it definitely smelled just like straight-up salt, and a little grassy note. And so, for the first time in quite a while, I'm going to take a naked, neat sip of Old Crow. <laughs> okay, I mean, it's it's definitely a Kentucky Street bourbon. It's pretty thin, but it's not it's not unpleasant. It's definitely got a little cherry, a little dark fruit, some oak, a little rye spice, vanilla, not really much else. Oh, there's that saltiness again at the end. It's definitely salty. I don't know where that comes from. I smelled it too, which is weird. I don't really smell salt usually. But at the very end of the finish, which is pretty short because it's not a particularly robust whiskey, uh, and the 40% doesn't do it a lot of you know favors, the finish is just kind of um, medium short, probably 30 to 40 seconds, maybe even less. And it's pretty much just oak and a little vanilla and that sort of salt. I don't know, maybe the salt stuff. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's uh, maybe it's caramel coloring or something because I'm, I'm sure this is probably chill filtered and caramel colored. 
because it probably comes out of the barrel at, <laughs> at three years. I don't know what the char on the Jim Beam barrel is, but it's probably like number two or something. So it probably comes out nearly clear. <laughs> I don't know. And usually this low-end stuff is caramel color just to keep the color consistent. Anyway, the price on it is certainly right if you're into this thing. I mean, I, I could actually see myself drinking this straight, absent all the other things I have. But, I mean, of course, it's a good mixer. And it's for a handle of it, it's about 15 bucks. <laughs> so i mean you, you know it's kind of hard to go wrong price wise as far as a rating i don't want to necessarily compare these with the other whiskeys i review but i don't want to make it seem like it's like it's terrible like it's swill or anything well so, I mean, you should probably i don't know like you should keep it on the same scale so it's not confusing right i mean but Basically, I would put a I'm a flag like it's like as a maybe you should have like a like a secondary rating as like a bottom shelf rating like if this were only you could only get bottom shelf whiskey like if yeah. that was your budget like where does this fit in the spectrum of of bottom shelf whiskeys and as long as the scaling keeps the same I think it's fine. Um, basically, I mean, I, I do a hundred point scale, but honestly, I would I would say that based on that scale, anything that comes in it below say 60 would be probably not considered whiskey <laughs> it would just be it would be something that's somebody called whiskey but it was essentially undrinkable so you know it's obviously better than that and i've i've rated even what are considered better whiskeys down in the real low 80s and this is probably almost as good as the worst of the better stuff that i've had I'd have to give it something like a 78. It's far from undrinkable. But, it's a mixer for you. Right. And, and I think you would, I think you could rate it probably an 85 or a 90 as a mixer, but as just a sip it, I think mm-hmm. a, a real high 70 is probably a good place to put it. That's so, not bad. so you could, no. you could sip it for sure. I can, like I said, absent something else or just having a glass on a hot day or something, I can absolutely see it. So I think a 78 is, is appropriate. Uh, on the you know comparatively with all the other stuff so my question is which do you prefer as a mixer the old crow or the mccormick let's see we do old crow we do 10 high and mccormick and mccormick those are the ones we normally have i would put mccormick at the bottom and then old crow and then 10 high as far as a mixer i really like 10 high it, it's a good whiskey for that so and uh, i also like kentucky tavern as a mixer but I haven't, I haven't really explored any of those as uh, straight. So, so you're not going to support the Missouri booze? If they make a better product, I'll put it out there. But I mean, I still have some of it, so I can do, I can do a taste comparison next time. On so we'll do a whole series on bottom shelf whiskey. There you go. <laughs> so anyway, so this is our starting point. Old Crow uh, comes in at a 78. Not not something I would go to as a as a neat sipper, but. I wouldn't be completely turned off by it. And Bill, I see, has put something in here because he was given a bottle of whiskey, so he's going to tell us all about it. Yeah, so the price on this one was free! <laughs> but how the, much is it normally? That's I, I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, Knob Creek Nine Year? Yeah, so this is Knob Creek Nine Year small batch bourbon whiskey. Its proof is uh, 50% alcohol, 100 proof, 100 proof. So um, this is not the same one you reviewed. Back on, uh, what was that? Episode two something, two, uh, 261, you reviewed the, uh, the 120 proof, 
Right. The, that was the must barrel. barrel strength or yeah. something like that. Yep. Yeah. This one is actually really good. It's not, not bad. I, I, and it tastes even better because it's free. <laughs> free booze always tastes better yeah yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Did, a, did did a solid for a co-worker and uh you know helped them out in a jam with a customer and and uh i said well i only accept you know cigars and booze <laughs> bourbon <laughs> so yeah you actually followed through on it and sent me some bourbon i'm like dude you didn't really have to do that i was just kidding but greatly appreciated <laughs> um yeah so uh yeah it's really good it's uh it's not bad i think i've had a knob creek before and i didn't like it and I think your review notes on the last one that you didn't like it much either. I I have not been a super huge fan of Knob Creek over the years for sure. Yeah, you you said this the other one tasted like horseradish and had a nose of horseradish. That's you exclamation. I remember that. (laughs) I remember that. It did mellow out some, but I mean it was still there. Yeah, I mean this one is um yeah, it's pretty good. I'm I don't know. I mean, my palate's not not quite trained enough yet. I have to go through at least a few thousand more bottles. Um, but uh, <laughs> practice makes perfect. Yeah, I'm practicing as much as I can. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, this one I've I've had it straight. Uh, yeah, I've had quite a bit of it straight today, and it uh, it it tastes pretty good. So um, yeah, not not bad at all. It looks like it's about a thirty to thirty five dollar bottle. Oh, not bad. Nope. No. All right, very good. Well, that brings us down to the end of the program tonight. We want to thank everybody who was with us in the chat room. We had Tony, K4XSS, Ed, N2XDD, Don, KC9ZMY, Don, KB2YSI, Ted, WA0EIR, and Gene, all the way from Taipei, Taiwan, or somewhere in Taiwan, <laughs> uh, BX8AAD. So appreciate that. Appreciate everybody who subscribes via the social media networks who sends us feedback who just downloads and listens to the program and of course those who support us financially thanks one and all and we hope you have a great fortnight and you enjoy some amateur radio and some open source and uh, our short topic episode will come out next and then we'll have a deep dive after that so plenty of stuff to look forward to and we will talk to you all very very soon this has been episode number 366 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 
1909 NHS show me. That's 1909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or handfest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.